Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Opera After Dark. Oops. Oh, God, no. When Naomi is drunk, she cannot play the piano. Thank you, Kyle, oh, wow. for found, rescuing me. We found a limit to the to uh, her musical, ear training gen- yeah, musical genius of Far from one genius, a little Naomi Baratero. Hmm. So, um, we're pretty drunk off of tequila right now. Yes. <laughs> So I thought this would be the perfect time to talk to everybody about a composer that I guarantee that nobody has ever heard of because we literally discovered him late last week. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I'm going to just dive right into it. He was known um, most of his life he lived in, in France. Um, and when he became famous as a composer, he was known as Le Mozart Noir. Um, the Black Mozart. His full name is? His full name is Joseph Boulon, the Chevalier de Saint-Georges. Um, and he was born in... Does that mean that he was, like, he was kind of rich? That sounds we'll like a rich person's name. We'll, we'll get to that. What are so many secrets? I know, so many secrets. Um, he was born in 1745 in Guadeloupe, which is an island in the Caribbean. Mm. Anybody who has a Netflix account and is super bored, there is this um, murder mist, this British murder mystery oh, series no. <laughs> called Death in Paradise, and it takes place in Guadeloupe. Um, and it's awesome just because the island is super pretty. Yes. But Wait, can you tell me the name of it one more time? Death in Paradise. Death in Paradise. It's pretty trashy, but fun if you're not really looking for something that you have to pay attention to okay I mean, no and this, it takes place in, in guadeloupe. guadeloupe guadeloupe okay where the chevalier de saint George was born so again he was born in 1745 and he was the son of georges ballon de saint George, who was a wealthy planter in uh, guadeloupe didn't he own a, his father was a plantation owner yes Yes, yeah. so plantation owner. Um, and his mother was a woman named Nanon, who was an African slave. Wow. So that was a thing that happened. But, well, I guess maybe we can't get too far into it. But I thought in that scenario, like, I'm surprised that his father claimed him. Do we know, was it a romantic relationship between father and mother? Well, it seemed like there was some affection know. between yeah. them, or at least affection for his son, because... He went to great efforts to try and give him some education. Yeah. Okay. So basically put him on a boat to France. It took two years to get there. We don't know what happened in those two years. Two years? Two years. Yes. I don't know what happened. Was There's there a no pit record. Stop? I mean, we talked about pit stop. We talked about this at length before recording this episode. Elspeth and I were like, do you know what happened to him? There is no, no record Nothing. anywhere as to what happened. So he got on a boat in Guadeloupe, which is in the French, like, French British Caribbean and sailed across the um, ocean, the Atlantic Ocean to France and it took two years to get there. I don't know what they did in the interim. Are there like islands in between? I don't. The Bermuda Triangle. They were stuck in the Bermuda Triangle. That was it. And that's why nobody talks about it. Maybe he should have been lost. Just saying. How old was he when he. Oh, that's not the Bermuda Triangle. That's like the weird Australian Triangle. Never mind. What? There's an Australian Triangle? There's like a weird place off the coast of Australia where like planes get lost, and that's is that where... like like the TV show Lost? Yeah, it's more like the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking, but so apparently that happened in 1757. Yeah. So um, the Chevalier de Saint George was 12. 
Ah. When yeah. he did this. Um, so he uh, went to France. But I could eventually. Be but I read that like when he arrived in France, eventually he and his father and mother and him were like reunited in France and ended up getting a flat in like a trendy part of Paris. Really, that must have caused quite the scandal mm. in that time. Well, actually, I um, I misspoke. He went to France in 1753 when he was mm. seven. Oh, oh, that's a little that's bit different. Yeah. But, so he was even younger. Hmm. Um, Is that when he started his musical training, or was that before? That, sorry. No, go ahead. We're not really sure. Well, actually, I don't. I don't know. I think that's around the time when he started his musical training because we don't actually know exactly when it started. Mm. But you know, he was violin proficient. Yes. Yeah, hmm. and. We actually know the address where they lived, uh, 49 Rue de Saint-André de Art. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Make a pilgrimage. Google map it. Wait, yeah, what what neighborhood is that? I don't know. I don't know. Paris. Paris. Oh, give give me so, your Paris recall. <laughs> it's right next to the Champs-Élysées. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Which is right next to the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, it's quite nice. On the left bank. Quite. I mean, in all seriousness, Thank we you. do have the ship record of the boat that he got on oh yeah wasn't yeah. it called like the they labeled him as just mulatto in the records Jeez. Yep. yeah do we know so was it the same ship it took that ship two years we, to get there we're assuming yes but we don't actually how know. is that even possible I don't how did know. they eat i don't how know is it, they ate rats maybe i don't know was, maybe he was like a first they fished and it was a trading ship just going around <laughs> So. Were there mermaids? Mer there, people? There were mermaids. Okay. If there so, was, he was not lured to his death because he went much... on to yeah. have a very successful life. So he did. So I, I, I'm just assuming that the relationship between his father and his mother was romantic because mm-hmm. his father met him in Paris and they brought his mother over and they all lived together. Okay. You yes. know? That's nice. Um, so when he was 13, he enrolled um, in the Académie Royale de Polytechnique des Armes et de l'Équation. Which is basically a school for fencing and horsemanship. Mm. So yes, our second person after yes. research to become a musician slash he was fencing a master. champion fencer. Was he really? He was yes. a champion fencer. We need to do a study on whether or not there's a link between musical prowess and fencing prowess. Mm, maybe <laughs> at, at 15 okay shut up no at 15 his progress was so rapid that he was already beating the best swordsman and at 17 he developed the greatest speed imaginable he was still a student when he beat a man called alexandre picard who was a fencing master um who had been mocking him and calling him mulatto over and over again in public so they challenged him to the stool mm. and this match was bet on heavily by the public um and the public was divided into partisans and opponents of slavery and ended up being an important coup for the latter. Um, oh. After that, his father was very proud of Joseph because he won. So he bought him a little horseman and a buggy so he could ride around town. It's like a little good like job, a, kid. Like a car. Like a car. Like, hey, well done. Car. Um, in 1766, he graduated from the academy, and he was made an officer of the king's bodyguard and a chevalier. So he was a knight. That's how he got the title, the Chalier de Saint-Georges. Wow. Good for him. And so his father, around that time, ended up moving back to Guadeloupe to manage all of his plantations, but left mm-hmm. him with, like, an annual 
allowance. Right. Stipend. And his mom stayed behind as well. Huh. Yeah. Uh, to support them. So all this time when he was doing his fencing studies, was he also doing musical studies? We, we're not sure. We don't actually know when he started his music studies. But he would have to have, have yeah. to be as proficient as he was by the time he like burst onto the scene as a composer. Okay. It was kind of a surprise to everybody because he was known as this fencing master that he had any kind of musical talents. And so Man. we think he started like violin lessons at a really young age. Double mm-hmm. threat. Mm-hmm. Double threat, totally. So when when did he burst onto the scene? Well, he became a chevalier. He sort of lived it up for a little while. He went to a bunch of balls because apparently he was known to be quite a fancy little dancer. Guys. <sighs> what? He was known as like a really fine dancer and the ladies were super into him. He had a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs> so we know with his musical studies that he could not have practiced seriously or been performing seriously i should say before 1764 Mm -hmm. um because that's when there were these two these two concertos written for him and then people say that it was in 1766 when there was this set of string trios that were dedicated to him and then that was kind of like what revealed that he was this violin virtuoso in addition to this like famous swordsman famous Mm -hmm. swordsman yeah wow And so the technique that is required to play these suggests that he was already extremely proficient by that time. And in 1769, um, there was a concert um, by a composer whose name was Gossack, and he created this new orchestra that he conducted called Le Concert Concert de Amateur. Mm -hmm. So 1869, the curtain rises, and the Parisian public was shocked to see that uh, Saint-Georges who was known as the greatest fencer of all time, was among the first violinists in this new orchestra. And nobody had any idea that he even played the violin. That's cool. Two years yeah. later, he became the concert master of the orchestra. And in 1772, he created a sensation with his debut as a soloist, playing his first of two violin concertos that he wrote with Gossett conducting the orchestra. That's amazing. That's yeah. like having it's like, like he, a yeah. He did like, all of it in secret and was like, "Look at me, world! I can do yeah. all of the things." Like a professional, world famous professional athlete that mm-hmm. then all of a sudden is this like m- music star. Yeah, that's awesome. And then to like, it gets even better because because of his proficiency both as a violinist and in his role in the orchestra, he was actually kind of given control of the orchestra as a conductor, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. And so people say, scholars say, and like reports of the time say that he was the, he had ran the best orchestra since the time of Lully, like Jean-Baptiste de Lully, so, who was like famous in the court of Louis Fourteenth, right? And so he had this reputation of being the best person to be in charge of a musical ensemble in Paris or in France at this time period. And also, he became pretty famous because, um, on top of everything else, he was a very handsome man from the mm-hmm. pictures we have seen. So the ladies were into it, <laughs> you know. And and he was very very close with Marie Antoinette. No way. Yeah, he was in her close circle of friends, and so so this is like the circle in which he ran once he became yeah. like you know the chevalier. And so actually, the really sad part about his life is that he gained control of this orchestra and gained this really wonderful reputation for being able to transform essentially like terrible ensembles into like really tight, really proficient, excellent performing groups. And so 
the opera in Paris at this time had kind of like fallen into complete chaos. You know, no one wanted to go and everyone had a reputation of being a terrible ensemble. And so someone nominated him to take control of the opera company, revive it and bring it back to life again and whip it all into shape. And so he was going to do this. And then some of the singers who were engaged with mm. the opera company mm. wrote letters to Marie Antoinette saying that it was beneath them to sing under the baton or under the direction of a mulatto. And so Jeez. he, being a very socially conscious and noble man and a very good friend of Marie Antoinette, he immediately withdrew his kind of ballot to be considered or withdrew himself from the consideration and denied or kind of turned down any involvement in it out of respect for the queen and to to spare her from any scandal and that sort of thing but then Uh. and then also at that time as a result of this because the opera company was in such disrepair the king Marie Antoinette's husband ends up taking control of it again and it becomes this like super intimate thing that only happens at Versailles that Marie Antoinette is involved in and where he was seen in the audience many, many times and was considered part of like the inner circle that got to experience anything from this opera company. That's that bullshit. Forward. So imagine what he could have what he could have done. He could have made it an amazing thing for the people and for like for the culture of France at that time, but because of these singers who That's bullshit. got really upset about it, it ended up being being this extremely inclusive thing and Marie Antoinette being his very good friend, like involved him in it as much as she could, but it was, you know, it kind of, that really put a damper on things and it, and it did force him a little bit to withdraw from certain public engagements, which is really sad because he had so much to offer to people and to culture at large in France at the time. And that's terrible. It sounds like he was the best at whatever he did. It really does sound like near that. the best. And he did compose a little bit in addition to... He did. Some of the first mm-hmm. things that um, he premiered with this um, orchestra, this Concert d'Amateur, whatever it was called, was a set of six different string quartets, and that was the first time the string quartet format had been seen in France. They were sort of based mm-hmm. on um, the string quartet format of Haydn, who was one of the first people to do it, and he was in Vienna. And then, you know, so wow. the Chevalier brought this to France for the first time. Um, do we have any of that currently? Mm-hmm. Like, we do. Do we want to listen to some of Let's it? Listen to some of yeah. it. Yeah. I'm ready to listen to some Mozart Noir. Mozart Noir. Yeah, Thank you. 
Jean Georges played all of his violin concertos um, by himself. He played it with um, a new bow that was designed specifically for him. Mm. And he wrote music the way sort of like a swordsman fights. So it's sort of designed to be played like a foil. And it was an entirely new bow that he had commissioned wow. um, to, to play his music. So he was in France for a while. Again, all that shit happened with the Paris Opera, which is, you know, <laughs> bullshit. Um, so he was sort of like, you know, I'm not really into this right now. He did actually write a number of operas. Um, this is and insane. Eventually, he, I know. So he had to have had some kind of formal education, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, he moved to, to France when he was seven. He had that, that formal education that his, his but dad paid for. in in composition? Because that that's... We we don't know because he's doing like some we don't know anything. I feel like really impressive stuff. It's not that hard to believe. Like if his father is willing to, I thought you were gonna say it's not that hard to compose. I mean, <laughs> just just no. throw it together. Any idiot you know? can do it. <laughs> but um, the fencing, thing, composing, right. whatever. So he's feeling kind of stagnant in in France. Um, it was boring him. <laughs> it was boring him. <laughs> Um, My compositions are so good. Mm -hmm. I need to do something else. Well, you know, and everyone in France is kind of racist. Um, but <laughs> at a that good, time. At that time. A good friend of his had recalled that the Prince of Wales had always expressed an interest in meeting Saint-Georges mm -hmm. because his fame traveled all the way to London. Man. So they arranged this meeting, and the Saint-Georges uh, went to London to meet the, um, the Prince of Wales. Very nice. Do you know when that was? That was in... in... <laughs> uh, 1786. So he was middle-aged at that point, mm -hmm. right? So he went to London, and it wasn't just to meet the Prince of Wales. There was this whole sort of political machination behind it. The man who sent him was this man named uh, Bristow, and he considered Saint-Georges to be, and I quote, a man of color. And he saw him as the ideal person to contact his fellow abolitionists in London and ask their advice about his plans for um, a movement that was called Les Amis des Noirs, which is Friends of the Blacks, which is modeled after the English anti-slavery movement. Excellent. So they did sort of use Saint-Georges as a pawn to create these uh, abolitionist stances in France and then later in London. I wonder how Saint-Georges felt about that. I don't think that he knew about it. Oh, period. Period. Hmm. Oh, that's yeah. weird. So he goes to London, and he does all these uh, fencing exhibitions, and he's super popular. Um, one of them with this crazy character that I don't know anything about called the Chevalier d'Anon, who apparently was like a transvestite who wandered around in like this huge black dress, and nobody knew if he was a man or if she was a woman. She did all these fencing things. Wow. Yeah, so I want to find out more about this person, and we'll talk about them at some point, maybe in a later episode. But yeah, um, I how much would you love to go to an evening of entertainment where there was a fencing exhibition, like really expert fencing, and then that same person that just laid it down with the fencing, then laid it down on the violin. Yes, please. And just killed. He it. also did that too. That would. I would pay good money. So he for did that like experience. yeah, this famous tour of London. That's cool. So we did all that, and the same time, his friend Bristow had given him all these dispatches to give to various different 
diplomats in London to sort of start this abolitionist movement. So he oh. did that, and then he came back to France. And he wrote and produced his latest opera comique called La Fille Garçon at the Théâtre des Italiens. Um, I wonder when the last time that was performed was. Probably not recently. Probably not recently. <laughs> um... It wasn't received very well as far as a drama, but they said that the best and only thing that sustained it was his music. Fair enough. Um, compared with London, Saint-Georges found Paris at that point sort of seething with pre-revolutionary fervor. This was right before the Great Conflagration, and like everyone's burning shit to the ground, let them eat cake, beheading everybody. This was right before all of that Oof. happened. Um, right before, you know... Everyone sort of set everything on fire. <laughs> <laughs> the shit hit the fan. The shit hit the fan. There was a, a reconstruction of the Palace Theater along with a couple of other theaters. The is smallest that, Is known. the Palace Theater... That's not the Palais Garnier. Yeah. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One and the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, the smallest of them was known as the Théâtre Boulogier, which is a marionette theater for children. Um, and he wrote a couple of operas for them, and the lead singers of the Paris Opera provided the voices for the puppets. So he wrote a bunch of sort of puppet cool. operas. Cool. I see um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, so far ahead of his time. This was before Avenue Q. This was before Lion King. All of these other wonderful works with You're puppets. Further. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for some more puppet opera, guys. Oh, oh man, the is there puppet okay. opera? Yeah, it was, we already uh, talked about. We already talked about puppet, puppet opera. opera. Remember? No, not right now. Oh, uh, what's his name? Hindemith puppet opera. With like the rat person, the rat man, and. Where the hell was I? Was that was I that drunk that I? <laughs> There's an opera with a rat man? Yeah. I yes. thought you were going back to the Alma Mahler doll. No, that's not a puppet. Mm. That's, <laughs> that's a sex doll? Is that, is that what you were going with? Exactly. It yeah. took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, wow. I'm too drunk. This is getting so complicated. Well, so a lot of stuff happens in Paris at this time. and He ends up dying, actually, I believe. Syphilis? No, not of syphilis. We don't know why. Cholera? <laughs> Um, his birth, his death certificate was lost in a fire, so we mm. don't know exactly what happened, but we do know that he died like 24 days apart from the one and only Beaumarchais. Oh, mm. really? Yes, and so... Did they know each other? Were they I don't, friends? I don't actually know how much they came in contact with each other. More just to like helps but, you contextualize the time period. But uh, during the French Revolution, he was a colonel in the Légion Saint-Georges, which is the first all-black regiment. 
in oh Europe. Oh, my gosh. And later in, in his life, he really um, fought very hard for this sort of anti-slavery abolitionist mm-hmm. movement, both in France and in London. So why isn't he, like, why don't you hear about him? I don't know. How is it just, I mean, not even just in the music world, but in the, you know, general historical tellings? I think there's just so many things that are lost to history when you don't have somebody at that time or from the moment they die, like, championing them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think with Mozart, his wife, his uh, Constanza, right. she does so much work, and weirdly, like, with her second husband, to immortalize and historicize the reputation of her husband. Mm. And then just... And I think if you don't have people that are, like, intentionally pushing it the particular reputation of a person forward, then it just gets lost to history in many ways. Or it just never really makes it here to North America. And, like, maybe people in Paris all know about him, but we don't. Maybe. Maybe people in London know all about him. Apparently there's a street sign in Paris that, like, memorializes him as a place where he lived. Okay. And there is a bunch of stuff by him that still exists, like, you know, scores and things like that. And he wrote a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. So many opera comiques and lots of vocal music. Um, he also wrote, as we talked about, string quartets and other instrumental works, some symphonic type things. And then there's also like a bunch of works that people think maybe were attributed to him, but we're not entirely sure. And so they're in like the question mark category. Like, did he write these or was it somebody else? Mm-hmm. So, oh. And of course, violin works because he was a violinist. Yeah. So the... The name, the, you know, Black Mozart name, that was just, you know, a very good composer who was was also black. Who was also, no, I'm, yeah, they were both working at that time. Oh. Yeah. That's what I'm, I just. people refer to him as the Black Mozart. Okay. They are contemporaries, They are contemporaries, Okay. What I was getting at is, like, was there any kind of connection between him and Mozart? No. Other than just no. they were great composers. Although it would be really interesting to know if they ever came in contact with each other because Mozart yeah. did go to Paris. That's true. Right? Mm. Make, it would make more sense if they called him, like, the French Mozart. But, right. I mean, obviously at that time they were not going to do that. But Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Because Mozart's born in, like, our Le Mozart Noir, the Chevalier, is born in 1745. He dies, the Chevalier, in 1799. And Mozart dies in 1798. Oh, shoot, now I'm missing it up. I think he dies in 1791. Yeah. The Chevalier is born in 1745 mm-hmm. and dies in 1799. So. Naomi Mozart's going to be so disappointed with I you. I know, he's rolling his days. Like, Naomi, of all people. I thought you loved me. <laughs> <laughs> How come you didn't know my dates? Oh, come on. <laughs> I, you know, talk about... Mozart ruling in his grave, I mm. will go on record and saying that... You hate Don Giovanni. <laughs> <laughs> Not this what? day. I don't Please. hate the opera, just some of its characters. Um, no, that it Do sounds like... you hate like... Donatavio? Everybody hates yes. Donatavio. How could you uh, not? He has the most beautiful music. Useless. It's beautiful for like a minute. And then I'm he's like, dude, just so hard. shut exactly. up. He's trying so hard. Way too hard. <laughs> I need to tone that down a little bit. <laughs> Well, all I was getting at is that it seems like the the life of Mozart Noir might have been, as a whole, more impressive than the life of Mozart. Yes. Although, I'm hands, not challenging... I mean, hands down. No, I agree with Kyle. Don't look at me like that. Hands down. 
I'm not looking The compositions like likely, I mean, Mozart, Mozart is, is a Mozart, genius. Yeah. But, right. you know, from Saint a compositional George, standpoint, yes, but as a whole life. Yeah, I mean, Saint George had, you know, a cause to fight for. And I think that Saint George overcame a significant amount of obstacles that Mozart mm-hmm. never had to even contend with. Of and course. So, right. From that standpoint, like, he's just far and away, you know, kind of blows Mozart out of the water in that point, in that, wow. in that perspective. Words I never thought Naomi would say. But, like, you can't, I Blows mean... Blows Mozart out of the water. Mozart was a white t- man in Austria. <laughs> like, are we really going to get into this? With friends a- friends with Joseph II. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was well-connected, and he had a father that, like, from birth... He was not born a slave. Let's just start there. Like, yeah. There's a lot that he doesn't have to overcome, and he can just launch into, like, rigorous violin training and piano training composition training from, like, the age of three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I feel like Le Chevalier has to overcome a lot more social obstacles. Imagine what Le Chevalier would have done if he was given the same... Who knows? ...start as... I mean, it sounds like... I mean, it's not like he was a slave. It's not like he was wanting for resources and livelihood. I mean, he still had a pretty... I mean, that we know of. I mean, He had a privileged upbringing, it sounds like. But, I mean, also, I think there's this whole other dynamic of his, like, sword-fighting, fencing mastership. That so cool. It's so different from Mozart. It's yeah. like comparing apples and oranges. You can't do it. Yeah. So. I want to have a story where the Mozart Noir and La Malpin, like... A fan fiction? I was yes, just wondering they live if concurrently. they They lived at the same time? No, she's a little bit later. I was, oh, I thought she was older than him. Yeah, she's a little later. bit earlier. Earlier, maybe? I think. Oh, I crap. We'll have to check ourselves. We'll write a fan fiction. I, I think know, if but... they met, they would fall in love and be together forever. Uh, I don't know if she's into He's an men primarily. Person. I think that she would I do mean, it. That's she's true. She's, she seems like she just likes great people. Well, we can argue, though. you know, he was, forever. He was quite the looker. I feel like she he would at least intrigue her for Certainly. a significant period of time. Totally. Talk, but like Chooked. a superhero duo of performing great music. It would be a superhero duo. murdering people. Oh, my God. Le Maupin and Le Mosanois. That could be like a comic book. Kicking ass, taking names. <laughs> All right. Well, when, when we write that comic book strip it'll be available at uh operaafterdark.com right so make sure <laughs> make sure you keep checking the website daily yes please do so um we're gonna do some chevalier de saint georges music as a play out but in the meantime i'm elspeth i'm kyle and i'm naomi thanks for listening guys
Hello, are we all familiar with the song Rasputin by Boney M? Ra ra Rasputin, something like that. I you only... don't know this song? I feel like it's the kind of horrendous oh, thing that I would not yeah, appreciate. Gosh, how young that. are you, Elspeth? Yeah. The things on the that's shaft. The, I don't no, know that, what are you the, doing. The Hannibal. I like it. Oh. Nice, uh, some fava beans with a nice Canty. <laughs> I know. It looks kind of like Mozart. No, he doesn't. He's no. super hotter. <laughs> <laughs> He's way hotter. Yeah. Mozart was rather sickly his whole life. Mozart was not hot. Mm. No. Should we do an episode? Called Mozart. Who was hotter? Was hotter. hotter? No, hotter? Mozart was not, was not hot. We should call it hot or not. <laughs> Mozart, <laughs> hot or not. Not. No. Nope. List. Super hot. Super hot. I, don't, I disagree. I don't think so. No? He looks like Spidey and Evil. I don't know. He's got Beethoven. Like, that, like angsty. Beethoven. No. Beethoven? Yeah. Verity. Uh. <laughs> Maybe in his younger years? I don't know. Young Verdi? Bellini? I don't, I don't know what Bellini looks like. He was quite the dandy, apparently. He the dandy. Really apparently, Donit said he was too, but I, would, I think that was a personality thing. I would have sex with Rossini because... <laughs> I feel like, you know, he was super into... Like food? food and drink and having a good time. And it would just be like a fun thing. He'd be that a fun not, dude to hang out that with. That is not reason enough. Not reason yeah, it enough. is. What, how old of Rossini? Like, <laughs> like you know, you'd have. I think he'd be a lot of fun. I think he'd be a good hang. <laughs> if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Hey. Name another one. Name another one. Black Mozart? Yes. What did you I... did you give an opinion on Janacek when he was young? Yes. Yes, when he was young. Yeah, I'll give you that. Mm. Did you yeah. give an opinion on Beethoven? I said no. No. Flat out no. What about what about Haydn? I guess he we don't really I'm know. Not, I don't I'm know not what, sure he looks what he looks like. like. <laughs> He's like the white wig era. What about so. Puccini? Yeah, Puccini. What about Puccini? I think that he would know his way around Lady Bits. He, I think he has a bit but of he like. He would a, or he would not. He would. He has oh, a bit of a porn star would. look about him. I think he would definitely mustache. know what he was doing because he had a lot of experience yeah. with a lot of people. Who else do I totally know what they look like that is a composer? What about Berlioz? I wouldn't because uh -huh. then I'd be worried <laughs> that I would get murdered. Yes, he will kill you. <laughs> All right, how are we going to start this episode? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Do we have any works by Black Mozart? Yes. <laughs>